0: Hi, this is Dr. Steve Vargo, and this is episode 20 of Can I Ask You One Question, where we dive into the minds of topic experts and thought leaders, and we try to learn one critical thing from them that we can apply to our professional and maybe even our personal lives. And if, if, if I were to tell you that compassionate care could lead to improved patient outcomes and improved financial outcomes for your practice, and you looked at me and said, prove it, this would be the person that I would that I would send you to. So it's a real pleasure to have with me Dr. Stephen Treziak. And Dr. Treziak is a professor and chair of medicine at Cooper Medical School of Rowan University and also chief of medicine at Cooper University Healthcare. And he's also co-authored a phenomenal book called Compassionomics, and he has a new book coming out called Wonder Drugs. So uh, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for being here, Dr. Treziak.
1: It, the pleasure is all mine, Doctor Vargo. Thank you so much.
0: So, in my industry, as with a lot of, probably most healthcare professionals, we spend a lot of time trying to. Uh, we spend a lot of time educating patients, trying to get them to do something or change something. And an example would be uh, diabetic, where we eye um, care obviously is a, as you know, a leading cause of, of blindness in adults, and, and we spend a lot of time talking about lifestyle change to promote better. Blood sugar control. Now, I don't think anyone would argue that compassionate care is valued by patients, but in your book, you actually explored the impact that it has on patient outcomes. So, my question to you, Dr. Treziak, is based on on data and research, Uh, how does compassionate care impact patient outcomes? Thanks for the
1: question. And I I love your format, the one question. So, uh, I'm going to make a case in the next. uh, five to 10 minutes, that compassion matters not just in meaningful ways, but also in measurable ways. And the corollary to your question is, does compassion really matter? Now, of course, you may say, of course, compassion matters. It's a cornerstone of the art of taking care of patients. And of course, I agree with that. I agree that we there's an ought there. We ought to treat all pe- patients with compassion. But that's not really the question that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm interested in, does compassion move the needle, not just in meaningful, but also measurable, measurable ways? And so what I'll ask you and your, your uh, viewers over the next few minutes is to join me in examining compassion through, not through the conventional lens, like the moral ethical lens or the emotional sentimental lens, but rather through the lens of science. So my colleague, uh, one of the things that uh, I should share with your viewers is that I'm also a research nerd. Uh, I love data, uh, and um, all research nerds start with the hypothesis. And so the hypothesis for Anthony Mazzarelli and I, and he's my colleague and co-author on Compassionomics, our hypothesis was that compassion matters for patients, for patient care, and for those who care for patients. So we did a quasi-systematic review that culminated in in the work Compassionomics. And in that work, we analyzed um, over a thousand scientific uh, research abstracts, and there are over 280 original science research papers cited in the book. And in testing this hypothesis, uh, we found um, that compassion matters for for not only for patients, but also for us, for for people who take care of patients, our healthcare providers. And, and I'll and I'll finish with that. But before before I jump into all that, I, I should acknowledge that we need a common nomenclature um, for any scientific discipline, including this. So what is compassion? And most researchers define compassion this way. They define compassion as the emotional response to another's pain or suffering involving an authentic desire to help. So it's slightly different from a closely related word, empathy. Empathy is the sensing, feeling, detecting, and understanding another person's pain or suffering or struggle. But compassion goes beyond that in that it is taking action to help alleviate that to whatever extent is possible. And there are robust neuroscience data to support this distinction in terms. For example, functional MRI brain scans to show us what part of the brain is being activated at any given moment when we bear witness to another struggle, that it activates the pain center of the brain. And, we, and so the, the saying, I feel your pain, well, there's neuroscience data behind that. But when we take action to alleviate someone's pain or suffering, and our mind is focused on that, neuroscience research has shown that a distinct neural structure is activated. It's actually a reward center of the brain. And that's associated with positive affect, positive emotion. And we know that uh, experientially, both of these things, because it hurts to watch someone uh, in with pain and suffering to bear witness to that. But we also know experientially that it feels good to help people. And so this, this, this uh, distinction and activation of different parts of the caregiver's brain is is part of the um, is part of the science, and so in our work for Compassionomics and, and analyzing all the data, we found that in terms of compassion, compassion is um, having measurable benefits for patients. There were twenty four different mechanisms of action that we identified, and we we d- break them down in, into four distinct areas. One is physiological, another is psychological, another is uh, 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 quality of care, and another is patient self-care, to your point, how patients take care of themselves, specifically with your example with with diabetics. So there's evidence that, and I'll start there because that's practical. There's evidence that when you care deeply for patients and they know that, they're more likely to follow treatment recommendations. They're more likely to take their medicine. They're more likely to follow the lifestyle prescription that you give them and uh, part of that is trust. Um, uh, there is a, a study from Johns Hopkins University in, in 1,700 patients with HIV that when patients feel known as a person, they are, have a 33% higher odds of adherence to antiretroviral therapy and a 20% lower odds of having no detectable virus in the blood and or 20% higher odds of having no detectable virus in the blood. And in diabetics, to your point, My colleagues from Jefferson have found that, which is just across the river from me, I'm in Camden, New Jersey, and they're in Philadelphia. What they found is that when uh, uh, treated with maximal compassion, diabetics have an 80% higher odds of optimal blood glucose control, but that's not it. They also have a 41% lower odds of acute diabetic complications requiring admission to the hospital. There are also effects for quality of care so for example researchers from the mayo clinic have found that in areas where caring uh, where there is less caring patients are less safe and the reason the mechanism is medical errors um uh, physicians are uh, or uh, they've studied this both in surgeons and in hospital-based physicians and found that where there is depersonalization and inability to make a personal connection care is less meticulous corners are cut more often, care may be more sloppy, and medical errors are more likely to occur. Physiological effects uh, are plenty. Uh, as we review, and there are over 100 uh, papers in our book on effects for patients. So for example, um, compassion can modulate stress-mediated disease. It can modulate a patient's experience of pain. It can't eliminate pain, of course, because Compassion can't do that, but there are evidence both in, in preclinical as well as clinical uh, studies that show that it, uh, compassion for patients and, and the caring of a trusted other can attenuate some, uh, the experience of pain to some extent that's measurable. And then psychological effects may be intuitive, where uh, uh, compassion for patients suffering depression, anxiety, and, and uh, psychological distress over serious somatic disease Uh, compassionate care can have a uh, independent uh, effect on all of those disorders. So as it relates to quality of care, um, I I talked about quality and errors, but there's also uh, financial impact. Now that's not the why, right? We, Mm -hmm. We treat people with compassion because it's not only the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do for all the reasons that I shared with you. But Um, There is also effects from the primary care domain. There are four different papers that show us that where there is more caring and more compassion, there is lower discretionary resource use, fewer unnecessary diagnostic tests, fewer unnecessary referrals to specialists, fewer unnecessary admissions to the hospital, and perhaps, and in, in, in with adherence to better adherence to care or better adherence to prescribed therapy, there's also lower cost of care because we know non-adherence to prescribed therapy in the U.S. alone is uh, it has a um, enormous uh, financial impact. But also, one of the keys, and this will segue into my um, my comments on uh, compassionate care can have powerful beneficial effects for those who care for patients is in reducing burnout because burnout is one of the most expensive things to any healthcare system, whether it's uh, the colleagues that you work with in your field, or in my case, in hospital-based medicine, um, burnout costs a lot of money to organizations as uh, people uh, step away from clinical practice. And what we found is that Uh, there is abundant evidence that compassion, not just for patients, but for colleagues, for all of those around us, can actually build resilience and resistance to burnout. The the data are quite clear that the key to resilience is actually relationships, relationships. And so that's relationships with patients, relationships with their families, relationships with the staff, relationships with your colleagues, even relationships at home. And this is where, for me, the science meets the personal. Because I was taught in medical school, don't care too much because too much caring, too much compassion will burn you out as if being uncaring was like some sort of emotional shield. And I believed that for 25 years until I went through burnout myself after 20 years of working in the ICU. And in my job, I routinely meet people and their families on the worst day of their life. I had every symptom of burnout myself. And so I went to the data and what I found in the data was things like escapism, like get away more, take more vacations, go on more nature hikes, do more yoga, as if if I just got away from patients as much as possible, everything would be be fine and burnout would magically disappear. And what we found uh, in going through the scientific evidence is that there is a relationship between compassion and burnout, but it's inverse. So if what I learned in medical school, too much caring will burn you out, it would be high compassion, high burnout, low compassion, low burnout. And what is actually in the medical literature is high compassion, low burnout, low compassion, high burnout. And this inverse relationship, I believe, is is because of relationships. So if you care about patients and you have the relationships that flow from that, then you get the good part of caring for patients. You get the fulfilling part of taking care for patients. And if you don't have that, then all you have is a really stressful job. So what I did is I um, very deliberately, very intentionally followed the data and I decided I was gonna care more, not less. Lean in rather than pull back and detach and escape. And that's what I call my N of one experiment and being this number of study subjects in the experiment, I was the N of one. And I tested the compassion hypothesis for myself, and that's when everything changed for me. Um, and so this is, really led us to our current work, which we call Wonder Drug. It's a book uh, coming out just in a, in a few weeks. Wonder Drug, Seven Scientifically Proven Ways That Serving Others is the Best Medicine for Yourself. And it curates for everyone. So this book isn't just for healthcare. It's how giving, helping, serving is actually better for your physical health, your mental health, your emotional well-being, and even your professional success. And so um, that is my summary, Dr. Vargo, for how it is that compassionate care can help in not just meaningful ways, but measurable ways for patients, for patient care, and for those who care for patients, and quite frankly, for everybody.
0: Well, you did it wonderfully in five to ten minutes. I will tell you that that was one of the more fascinating parts of the book that that I was um, uh, made aware of was the burnout component. You know, a lot of the book was obviously focused on the role of compassion in treating patients, but the effect that it has on you as the physician. And I've seen this as a doing consulting now, working with other doctors. Nobody ever calls you up. practice management consulting and right off the bat says they're burned out. Usually that comes as you get to know somebody a little bit more and they, you start to discover that what they, what a lot of people just want is more personal time, less stress. And that is the, a lot of times the feeling is I want to get away from patient care, have more days off. And as you said in the book, there's moderate, that will have a moderate improvement on those things, but really leaning into that relationship that you have with the patients. So it's, I've adjusted even my advice okay if you if you want to work less days in the clinic that's fine but let's also talk about the days that you are there and how are you going to show up every day treating your patients because that and I've learned that from your book will have a more um it, it really a bigger impact on on your own well-being you know we we focus on the patient's well-being for good reason but we have to look out for our own well-being as well so thank Steve, you you're, you're, I mean, go yeah, ahead
1: I'd just like to say that Um, You're right on the mark there for me, what I experienced in going through burnout myself, because all the data around escapism, you know, work-life balance is obviously important. I think that's settled science, right? Um, But I wasn't believing in the escapism because I thought something had to fundamentally change Mm -hmm. at the point of care. Um, And uh, that's when we came across all the data that compassion can be a powerful beneficial therapy for the giver two. And that's what we focus on. We focus the entire new book, wonder drug on the science behind that and, um, how we can actually change things at the point of care and not just with patients, but in our touch points with all the people that we encounter in our daily life.
0: Yeah. And I, I suppose it can be said, if you're escaping from anything, you know, try to explore what it, what is it that we're escaping from? And can we, can we change that? So, Well, thank you so much. I I can't recommend your book highly enough, Compassionomics. Um, Dr. Trusiak, what if people find out more about you and your books and your new book coming out, you said in a few weeks?
1: Sure. So you can find out about Compassionomics at Compassionomics.com. Uh, Our new book, Wonder Drug, Seven Scientifically Proven Ways That Serving Others is the Best Medicine for Yourself is coming out June 21st from St. Martin's Press. The website will be up soon. Until then, I will send you the link uh, to the book uh, and you can put it in the show notes.
0: Perfect. I I appreciate that. And thank you for listening. Thanks again, Dr. Treziak. Thanks everyone for listening. You can find the show notes for Uh, all episodes, including this one at drstevevargo.com. So thanks again, and we will see you next time.